Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. And Father, we thank you this morning for the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you help us all the time. You enlighten our minds so we can hear what you've got to say. God, we haven't come just to hear a, a nice sermon or a message. We've come to let You speak something into our life. We thank You for all that You are doing. We thank You for what You're raising up. Lord, we thank You for the beginnings of things. Lord, and we know that You will complete everything You start. We've got confidence in Your ability to take us everywhere we need to go. In Jesus' mighty Name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Give the person near you a high five or at least a little five a little wave or something. That'd be nice. Thank you, team. Great song. And we appreciate that. Fantastic. Pastor Bruce mentioned last Thursday night, it really was very special. But I also know a lot of people couldn't come to it. I've had lots of people say, well, I had to work or I was away or uh, just simply couldn't be there on that night for whatever reason. And we are putting together some uh, some material so that those of you that weren't there will still be able to get updated on it. He mentioned the email update, which we'll be sending out regularly. I've also had people come to me and say, How do, what do I do now? Probably that's one of the big questions. What do I do now? And we invited people who wanted to, to uh, sow into the Kimberley, to invest into that. We've got a tax deductible fund that you can give to. Um, Rhonda and I already began that today. We're suggesting you could give $10 a week or 20 or whatever you like, actually. Uh, someone rang me during the week and said, you know, I'm so excited about $10 a week. They said, that's just two coffees. They said, I drink that much every day. Uh, well, I know that it might just be two coffees, but I know that the effect will be far more significant than any coffee you ever drink. So that's out there as well. Let us know. It's tax deductible. We'll receipt you for it. And uh, we're certainly excited about what God is going to do. All right. The journey of faith is what I want to speak to you about today. And so if you write titles, then you can write that down. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. We have been in this passage. We've mentioned it lots of times so far this year. Habakkuk chapter 2. Let me read it to you again. Habakkuk the prophet said, I'll stand my watch, set myself on the rampart, on the wall of the tower. And he said, I'll watch to see what he, that's God, will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. It's important to understand that often when God speaks, He's meaning to adjust something in you. He doesn't speak just to make a a nice message or to make it flowery. He wants to correct something in us. Verse 2, then the Lord answered me. The Lord answered me. And He said, "Uh, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For the vision's yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it'll surely come, it will not tarry. Implicit in that passage, those three verses, implied in that is this underlying truth. That is that whatever God asks us to do, whatever He sets before you, you are able to accomplish. He said, write the vision so that he or she may run that reads it. In other words, if you can read it, if you can hear it, if you can imbibe it, if you can see it, you are going to be able to run the distance and see that come to pass. God doesn't give vision to test us. 
God doesn't give vision to try us out. God doesn't give us visions that are impossible for us to be able to complete. He said something in front of us and He says, now you go, you're going to be able to run the entire distance. You'll see that come to pass in your life. The Apostle Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, when he says this, We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It's not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. We are qualified or our qualification comes from God. Watch this in the next verse. It says, He has enabled us to be ministers of the new covenant. Ministers there does not mean a pastor. It doesn't mean someone who's been to seminary or Bible college. It simply means someone who serves it up to you. The word minister there means someone who serves. He says He has enabled us to serve up the new covenant. In other words, every blessing that's in this new covenant that Jesus wrote in His blood, every blessing that's in there. He says, I'm enabling you to be able to take that. He told His disciples, most of whom had only recently fled and were in hiding. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He or she that believes. He didn't say if anybody believes. If you can convince somebody, nobody will want to know, but don't worry about it. Go, at least you're being obedient. He didn't say that. He said, he or she that believes and is baptised will be saved. In other words, the expectation was you'll go and the results and the fruit are going to be there in your life. He has made us able. So regardless of what your mum said to you when you were a kid, regardless of what your dad may have uttered about you, regardless of what that coach said about your potential or your teacher or a boss or even your friends have said, or maybe even regardless of what circumstances might be shouting to you at this point or the way you feel might be trying to push you away from destiny, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you and I are equipped by God and we are well able in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. We are well able. I hope you get that this morning because some of you here, you're going, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if a whole lot of stuff. Well, as people sometimes say to me, Jeff, I feel so unworthy. And I always say to them, well, that's because you are. And they get shocked because they think I'm going to tell them how good they are. And they go, no, of course you're unworthy. Compared to what you need to be, of course all of us are. We're all unworthy. However, Jesus made us worthy. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. He has been made unto us righteousness and sanctification and justification. Everything that I need is in Jesus Christ. Every power that I need, every anointing that I need, every skill that I need, every ability that I need, every power that I need, it's all there in Jesus. It was never in me, was never meant to be in me. It's always been in Him. And so long as I do what the Scripture says there and put my trust in God and in His ability to take me through, His ability to fulfill every vision. He said He gave the vision in Habakkuk chapter 2. He gave the vision. It's up to me just to get up and to run. Amen. But let me take you back to a story that you think you all know. And that's 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. And uh, every one of you here will recognise who this is about. It's the famous story. You might not even be a Christian. You'll know this story. This is the story of Goliath, a gigantic man. 
And this is the story of a young Israeli boy, a young Hebrew called David, who ends up defeating Goliath. But I want to take you back to the story before he goes before King Saul and tries on the armour and says, well, I can't be that. I want to take you back before he goes down to the brook and picks up the five smooth stones. Why? Because Goliath's got four relatives that are as big as him. And David was saying, I've got enough for you and all your family as well. But beyond all of that, I tell you, God is with us. God is with us. God has been with us since we began. When He called you, He knew who you were. He knew about all your failures. He knew about all the missteps you'd make. He knew about every twist and turn in your life. He knew about every detour and every dead end you'd take. And yet He still calls you and He still says you're going to be able to defeat every giant that comes against your life. You're going to be able to be victorious. I know it mightn't feel like that right now, but He says you're going to be able to do everything I've asked you to do. But it doesn't always feel like it. 1 Samuel 17 verse 23, Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. And David heard them. Verse 24 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man has come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it'll be that whoever kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And David says, Tell me that again. What will be done for the man who does this? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Then David spoke to the men who stood by him. Follow me from verse 24. And then all the men of Israel fled from before the giant. Then David spoke to the men that were by him. I cannot prove it to you. When I get to heaven, I'll ask David himself. I'll find out whether what I'm about to tell you is accurate or not. But it seems to me that you can reasonably infer that David also ran with everyone else. It says all the men of Israel fled. I can't prove it to you. All I know is that that last verse says, then David spoke to the men who were by him. Well, if they were by him, he must have been where they were and we've just been told they ran away. Not, not making a doctrine out of it. You don't have to believe that. You go and believe whatever you like on that. I'm not even sure what I know about it. I'm just saying it's possible. But what we do know is that David eventually definitely stands up in faith and boldness. What's my point? My point is that where you are right now is not the end of the story. That the faith you have right now, maybe you've joined the fearful and run away from your destiny. Maybe you've joined the crowd that said, well, what could possibly be done about that? How could you ever hope to fix that? How, who do you think you are? Maybe you've joined with them and you've run away. But then you start hearing about the anointing of God. You start remembering the things God's done in your past like David did. He remembers the lion and the bear and how God helped him and delivered uh, those animals, gigantic ones, into his hand. And he starts thinking to himself, well, maybe, maybe this is just a, a slightly bigger version. I'd say, yeah, one, one that can throw spears. But David, whatever it is, whether he ran away or not, David gets to the point 
of boldness and faith. I want to declare to you today that faith is a journey. Sometimes it's a moment I know. I've had moments of a spirit of faith, that's all I could call it, where faith to believe something was instantly there. But I also know that generally speaking, in my life and maybe in yours as well, faith is a journey and faith grows. It's not always a case of now or never. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to understand something about the Holy Spirit working with you. Because see, we're all different here. And some of us are just new to Christ. And we're going, oh God, I can't believe that yet. Well, hold on because the journey's not over yet. Maybe that's where you are right now. Or maybe you're facing the biggest giant of your life. And maybe you joined if David did and you fled with the crowd saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's just not the right time or whatever else. I'm here to encourage you this morning that God's with you. Genesis chapter 12. This is all going somewhere. All right. Genesis 12 verse 1. Are you with me? Three of you are that six. That's all I needed was three. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, that's Abraham later when God changes his name. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Maybe one day I'll talk about the difference between going by revelation and going by reason, but I'll leave that for another day. Abram departed as the Lord spoke to him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now hear me this morning. The Lord spoke to this man, but his faith for a son wasn't there yet. How do I know that? Well, Genesis chapter 15 says Abram believed the Lord, but it's only a little bit after that that Sarai, that's Abram's wife who becomes Sarah later, but it's only a bit after this passage of Abram believed the Lord where Sarai comes into Abram and says, Abram, it's not happening. And I'm not sure how it's going to happen. Do you think that maybe we could help God out? Maybe we should examine all the options. Maybe what God wants, what He means is that my servant, because that's kind of me, you know. Maybe if you go and sleep with my servant girl, Hagar, and she has a baby, and we'll claim it as ours. And uh, Abraham goes, well, like seriously, Let's not go too far there, but let's just say this is one of the nuttiest decisions anybody ever made. This guy goes, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. All right, I will. Well, most of us here know enough about the Bible to be able to remember what happens next. It's sure Hagar gets pregnant and then straight away Sarai hates her because now she's got what she should have had. I pray, God, that you will never be in the position, listen to me, where you have to envy somebody who got what was meant to be yours. I pray, God, you'll never be in the position where somebody else picks up the vision that you didn't persist in. And you get to envy somebody because they pressed in, they got it, 
It should have been yours. You should have been there in that place. You should have had that promotion. You should have had that position. You should have had that business opportunity. You should have had that ministry. But you know, you let fear talk you out of it. You thought, oh God, maybe it's not now. And, and you pull back. Well, the end of the story was that Hagar and her son Ishmael become just a thorn in Sarah's side and she ends up turfing them out. The reality is that Abram goes out, leaves the place of his birth where his family are, but he wonders how God's going to do it. He believes God can and he believes God will, but he just can't see how it's going to come to pass. And so he takes Sarah's suggestion because his faith's not fully formed. His faith's not mature yet. His faith's not strong yet. And because his faith's not strong enough, he's open to other uh, distractions and he's open to other pressures about his life. Maybe your faith isn't there yet. And the good news is that the journey's not over, that God the Holy Spirit's gonna keep working with you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. The word finisher there, the Greek word literally means someone who finishes something off, a developer if you like. It's like you've constructed the piece of furniture and then a finisher comes in and sands it and polishes it and makes it presentable. And Jesus says, you know, I don't just start faith in you. I'm here to develop it and finish it in you. When I've completed it, It's going to look great. It'll do everything it's meant to do. Are you hearing me this morning? Because I feel like many of us in this place, the the enemy is pressuring us and tempting us to kind of join the crowd that fled from Goliath and go, that's too hard, that's too big. And I'm believing today that you and I are going to say, Jesus, I'm going to, I had faith to take the first step. I'm going to have faith to take the next step. Genesis 12 verse 4 again says, So Abram departed. Abram did not have faith for the son. Read the story. It's patently obvious. He goes out like this going, God, I know that you've called me. I know that you put this vision in my heart. And so in obedience to you, I'm taking the first step. And he leaves behind the place of his fathers. And what they've known and the life they expected for him. And he steps out of where he is in the first step and he starts going out. See, he didn't have faith for the son that was ultimately the fulfilment of the promise, Isaac. That's 25 years ahead of the first step. Someone said wisely once, God isn't the God of instant and he's not in a hurry either. How many people here wish he was in more of a hurry? Amen. I say, Lord, I've been very patient. Can I have it by this afternoon? He didn't have faith for the end of the journey. I hope you get this. But he had faith for the next step. The truth is the fulfilment of your vision is never here. It's always there. It's never here. Listen, staying in the place where you are, and I don't mean that geographically, I mean that metaphorically. In other words, I don't mean you've got to leave Perth or wherever you live or leave that job 
I'm talking about you and your life and how you have positioned yourself and what you think about you. You're going to have to leave some of the old stuff of your life behind because the fulfilment of your vision is never here. Oh Lord, I'm just waiting on you. And misconstruing all those scriptures, Isaiah 40, 31, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. The word wait there has got nothing to do with sitting cross-legged and, and singing a little psalm or a little hymn while you wait for God in heaven to wake up and come. That's not it at all. The word there, waiting, is an active word. It means to entwine your life around about a truth. It means to be actively building something inside of you. And before God can do it out there, He's always got to do it in there. And so here we see that you've got to move if you want to fulfill vision. Listen to me this morning. Satan, the enemy, wants you to stop at that loss. He wants you to stop at that failure. He wants you to stop at that disappointment. He wants you to stop at that mistake that you made. He wants you just to stop there and then go, oh, well, if it's God's will, you've got to move to fulfill vision in your life. If you want God to fulfill that and bring it to pass, you're going to have to move from where you are in your life. And here's the second thing, is that you have to grow to fulfill vision. You've got to move to fulfill it, but you've got to grow to fulfill it. The fulfilment of your vision is always a bigger you first. It's always ahead of you. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm very glad that I don't have to be the 10 year tomorrow me today. I can grow there. Can you imagine if I went to one of my grandchildren and say, why aren't you big yet? What's the matter with you? Are you thick? How come you're not bigger? Judah, you're nine. How come you're not an adult? That would be cruel, apart from being stupid on my part. It would be horrible. And do you think that God, the Heavenly Father, is there tapping His foot saying, why aren't you there yet? Come on. He's going to let you grow. But you've got to have a, a passion to grow. Amen. Spiritual growth is different to physical growth. Physical growth, you just got to eat, drink, exercise, and you'll get there and go to sleep. There's just a few physical things. They're pretty basic. But spiritually, you can stay the same size you are for the rest of your life. Amen. There's people in church that got saved and never, ever grew from that point on. They became the, the God's chosen frozen. I once preached at a church that was so dead. They had a nurse going around taking the pulse of people in the congregation. Okay, I made that up. Did you see through it? But come on, I'm praying that every one of us will have that kind of thing inside of us that goes, God, I'm not there yet, so what? I, I, I'm... I'm praying today that, you know, every message I preach, I feel like there's a kernel of truth that God wants to go bang, and bang, and whack that into us. You know what I mean? 
not dance around in her head and go, mmm, mmm, oh, that was lovely. Mmm, mmm, that was a lovely thought. Mmm. I don't think God wants to go bang. Amen. But God's not going bang and saying, you've got to be like Billy Graham. Or bang, you've got to be this. He's saying, I just want you to be ready to move and I want you to have a hunger to grow in your life. Amen. Because I know this much, that doesn't matter where I am right now, but if I want to fulfil vision, I'm going to have to move. Abram couldn't stay where he was in Haran. I was thinking about this because the oldest woman to ever fall naturally pregnant was 66 years and 348 days. Now, why she wanted to is way beyond me. But anyhow, she was almost 67. And you know, Sarai is 65. And she could have just said, Abram, how about we just hang out here and keep trying? We're home. We've got people around to help. It'll be okay. Huh? Why don't we just do that? And all she had to do was wait three years and she would have been the oldest one to ever fall naturally pregnant. But see, your vision's never where you are. It's always somewhere beyond where you are. Oh, I think about all the times I've wasted in my life because I let something stop my vision. And it wasn't anything out there about circumstance. It was about something inside of me. Well, I can't because. And I'd like to, but. And I wish that was possible, but you know, right now. And I allowed all those things rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to take the first step. And I'm going to start growing where I am. The Abraham of Genesis 17 and verse 5, one year before Isaac is born, is a definitely bigger person than the Abram of Genesis 12 when God first calls him. 24 years of growth, 24 years of experience. You find a different Abraham when you read Genesis 17. He's the one spoken about in Romans chapter 4, where it talks about this great man of faith. This man who was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had also promised he was able to perform. But I know that Abraham wasn't like that at the start. I don't think David was like that at the start. I think every single one of them was somebody who said, you know what, I'm going to take the next step. I'm not there yet. My fulfillment's ahead of me. But I will get there if I'm willing to step out and take the next step. So let me ask you this morning a very personal question about your life. What is your next step? What's God want you to do next in your life? Amen. Something's happened. Something went wrong. There's been a loss. There's been a failure. There's been a mistake. Really? But what's your next step? Where do you go from here? I want you to say today, God, I'm going to move. God, I'm going to grow. God, I'm a bit frightened. I'm wondering how you're going to do it. I have no idea. We talked about the Kimberley. People come to me and say, well, you know, I'd really like to see a a fully formed out plan and strategy. I go, well, so would I. Amen. I think that'd be lovely. You know, but we've taken the first step and already God begins to unpack what our next step is after our first step if we take the first step, but you'll never find out what's in your next step if you don't take the first step. Amen? Amen? Come on, are you there? So I've got to take the first step or else I'll never see the next step. 
And if I don't take the next step, I'll never see the step after. And if I don't take the step after, I'll never see the step beyond. And if I don't take the step beyond, I'll never see what's over the horizon on the other side of it. But it all started back here with what? The next step. Because the next step leads to the next step after and all that other stuff I just said. One more verse for you. One more verse and we wrap this up. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. Speaking about this great man of faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to what? To go out. God never said, now produce the sun and I'm going to show you where to go. He just simply said, you obey the next step. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He said, I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. I haven't got all the detail, but I tell you what, Sarah, we're going to take the next step. We're going to move from where we are. We're going to step out of the place we've been. We've been here waiting for all these years. You're 65, I'm 75. We're supposed to be on the pension. We're supposed to have been planning out our retirement and how we're going to survive. We're supposed to have been planning all that, but I'm ready to take the next step. And Sarai says, well, Abram, I'm ready to go as well. And then Lot hears about the vision and he says, oh, that sounds like a brilliant idea. I think I'll go and tag along. I'm bored at home. What a difference. He had faith to take the next step and all he had to do was move and he had to grow. Amen. Well, I pray this morning that every single one of us, myself included in this place, are ready to say, God, God, I'm ready to take the next step. Well, I know for me and for my house, we're already gone. Yeah, we'll take the next step. Amen. Whether it's about the Kimberley or whether it's about uh, all the nations of the world or whatever else it might be about. Amen. Whether it's about our investing into the Kimberley. Will we take the next step? Yeah. Is that the answer? No, but it's the next step. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Come on, how about we pray? And maybe some of you here in this place, I think, you go, well, you know, Jeff, I know that God has been speaking to me about taking the next step. I know that God has been encouraging me, prompting me because I, f- I often find that I preach something that the Holy Spirit has been already speaking to people in this church about. And all I really do is come along and add the amen to what the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you in your life about. Just bow your head with me a moment if that's you and you say, Jeff, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit tell me to take the next step. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you just right where you are if you're online. Send through the P. Just wherever you are, if that's you, thank you. Yeah, I see hands going up. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Go. Look, how many of you? Lots. Father, thank you for every single one. Up in the balcony as well, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're not a God who's putting us to the test. Lord, we aren't going to put you to the test either. We're putting you to trust. We're saying, Lord, we know you'll help us. We know you'll walk with us. We know you're going to work through us. Lord, whatever it is that you are speaking to these people who've raised their hands, whatever it is you're, you're telling them is for them. God, I pray that as they in faith take the next step, their next step will become the step after that and the step beyond that. And soon it'll be the peaking over the horizon step and beginning to see the fulfilment of what it is that you've put in their life. We thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus.
in the mighty name of Jesus. Seasons change. Come on. Sing it with me while you're singing. Your faithfulness remains. And I will see the goodness of the Lord. Oh, oh. I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. Come on, let's stand and sing it. Come on, lift your heart and your hands to God. Spirit speaking to you. My God, Jeff, I I didn't think he'd say anything to me because my problems are so deep and so steadfast in their immovability. I'm not sure there's any point in me trying to listen to God. A 75-year-old man with a 65-year-old wife, take the first step. A young 16-year-old boy, not even old enough or equipped enough to be in the army, God says, I want you to do it. I want you to stand up for me. And he, he becomes the hero of his nation. So I don't know how big your issue might be. I just know how big our God is. Amen. And I want the team to sing it for you. Just the, the worship team up here. I want them to sing that chorus again for you. I believe in the goodness of God. I know you do too. Come on, let it wash over you today. Let faith come into you while we're singing. Come on, let it speak to you today. In Jesus' name. Here we go. Come on, let him sing it for you.
this one, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know, I believe John and Trudy are going to be back in the prayer space a bit later. At the end of the service, that's on the lower level here, the auditorium, out on my right-hand side. I believe that there's people here that you need to go to them and say, will you pray with me? Because you know, you think, well, my marriage, my broken marriage, I, I can't move until that's fixed. And I believe some of you here, there's other things where you've gone, that thing, you know, until that's solved, I can't move on. And I believe God is saying to you this morning, I can do anything if you'll take the next step. I believe in the supernaturalness of God that He'll make a way where there is no way. I'd love you to go and let John and Trudy pray with you and agree with you. God, would you open the door that seems shut? Would you remove the person that seems to be so opposing? Change their heart. Do whatever you've got to do. God, I'm going to take the next step in Jesus' name. You know, for some of you here, the next step is to say yes to Jesus. a long time ago for me but I still remember it as clearly as anything I remember where I was sitting in the auditorium I remember what was being said about giving your life to Jesus I remember sitting there that sung this song a couple of times and I was wanting to but so I don't think I didn't believe God could I just thought I couldn't my problem wasn't what God was able to do. My problem was what Jeff was able to do. Somehow or other in that tiny split second, I realised it was never about my ability. It was about Him. And I made a choice right then to say yes to Jesus and to trust Him. And He's proved Himself to me again and again and again. If you're here today and you say, Jeff, I haven't put my trust in Jesus to save me. I'm not walking with God. I'm not born again. I wish I was. I pray for you. If you're online, let me pray with you. Then I'll talk to you about how you can give your yes to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for all these people that are a part of this. And those, Lord, during the week that are going to log on to this and they'll see this service and they'll stay with it to the end. And this is the moment for them that you are speaking to them. Saying, I've been wanting to reach you. I've been wanting to embrace you. I've been wanting you to know me. Lord, they're going to give their yes to you. As simple as it may be, as, as easy as it might seem, but as powerful as it'll become. We thank you for it. Thank you for them saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. Thank you, Lord. Bless them and help them, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can look this way. If you've done that and said you're in your heart, you're yes to Jesus, would you send us your yes? 